This evening's reading is taken from Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 to 6, on page 1916 of the church. To the church in Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who, overc he who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Serve you and to serve one another. In Jesus' name. Amen. I turn it up just a bit like that. Right, um, Rob, if we could have the map. Thank you. That's part of the um, Asia. And where Sardis is, there in the middle, is now modern-day Turkey. At the time of this letter, Sardis was the capital of the kingdom of Lydia, what is in present-day Turkey. It was a very important town in the empires of Persia, Rome, and in the Byzantine time. Today, it doesn't exist. There is a nearby village, a small village, named Sart, S-A-R-T. But the village has none of the splendor of Sardis. Sardis was a wonderful city. As well as being on a major trade route, the city was an important center for the manufacture of woolen objects, including carpets. But much of its wealth came from a totally different source. Through that area, and I think probably through the city, runs the river Pactolus, which runs down from the mountains behind the city. 
And that river was full of gold. You may well have heard the phrase, as rich as Croesus, is it Croesus, Croesus, Croesus. Croesus was the king of Lydia, and his great wealth came from the gold washed down from the mountains in that river, actually. And modern currency actually has evolved from that pound, sardines. We don't know who first brought the gospel to the city. None of the commentaries I have, neither the one that Matt lent me, the one that Mike sent me, the one that Martin sent me, or the couple that I have, had mentioned Sardis' orig orig originality of where the gospel reached the city. But reach it, it did. It is possible, and uh, it may be a legend, but who knows, that Clement, a disciple of Paul, was the first bishop of Sardis, not immediately after Paul, but maybe a little while later. It was a busy city, a big city. It was given over largely to pagan worship. It was the site of a major shrine to a mother goddess. But it also was a city populated by Jews. And the synagogue there is the largest that's been uncovered in the ancient world. It must have been some synagogue. And there must have been a large proportion of the citizens who were Jews. So who knows how the gospel came into that city. We do know that in the second century, there was a bishop of Sardis named Melito. And it was probably he who either initiated or very largely put together the canon of what we know as the Old Testament. He assembled the Jewish writings and put them into order. So that originates from Sardis as well. He preached, and there's a record of it, a powerful sermon referring to the acrimonious debate between the leaders of the synagogue and the leaders of the church. There is no Christian church in Sardis today, obviously. But right up until the late 20th century, and maybe even today, there have been bishops in the Orthodox and Roman Catholic Church, bishops of Sardis. There's no city, but there's bishops. <laughs> I think it's part of, they, they have this system where a bishop is bishop over several places and they include somewhere like Sardis just in case somebody plants a church there, they'll have a, church, a bishop. So let's look at this letter from the Lord given by revelation to John to send to the church in Sardis. Five letters begin with a commendation. This one, like the one to Laodicea, begins with the rebuke. Indeed, they both begin with strong rebukes. 
So let's look at this message to a church which needs, to paraphrase, a kick up the backside. Firstly, we see, as with the other letters, that the author is Jesus. In this letter, there's a different reference to him in each of the letters. And in this one, he's the one who holds the Spirit of God, spoken of as the seven spirits, and who holds the seven churches, which is probably the seven stars. Although it may be an illusion, an allusion to the belief that at this time, there was a belief that there were just seven planets. They may be the seven stars. However we interpret those phrases, the key is that this letter comes from the one who knows their deeds and finds them sadly lacking. And this is a salutary point for us to remember, and I'll refer to it later. Jesus knows us intimately, knows our deeds, our work for him and with him. We see from the letter that the Christian church in Sardis had a good reputation, but a good reputation is worth nothing if it's not backed up by the life of the church, both corporately and as individuals. And as far as we can tell, the problem was not with opposition at this time, either from Rome, from the pagan worship, or from the Jews in the city, but solely from within the church itself. Jesus says in the letter, you are dead. That's a terrible thing to have to say to a church. But obviously here it was necessary. Having said that, the Lord, who is always gracious in his dealing with his people, throws them a lifeline. The church may be spiritually dead, but the people there are still physically alive. So there's hope. Provided they respond to this message which the Lord gives them in this letter. Firstly, the Lord says, wake up. Wake up. These Christians were living in a city of great opportunity. It was a city of great wealth. Travelers passing through it. Paul didn't go through Sardis, as far as we know. He traveled up the coast. But his followers may have diverted out there. It was a great opportunity to share the gospel. There were many opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. So he says to them, get up and get going. Wake up. And he then refers to the little bit that re that's still there. Strengthen what remains. And it's a, a bit on the end of that. It may be about to die. It's there. Strengthen what remains. You know, when they read that second sentence, they shouldn't have been distraught. All is not lost. Even though their deeds, their work for the Lord, leave much to be desired, there is a spark of faith still there. But it needs to be fanned into a flame. So thirdly, remember what you've heard and received. This has obviously been a key point, a major point, part of their life, 
and their witness before this moment in their history. And, you know, for us, it's a good exercise at times to look back occasionally when in our walk with the Lord we've been exceptionally blessed. Perhaps when we first came to know Jesus as Lord, at the deepening of our faith through the Holy Spirit, or even remembering those people who in our journey have been a particular blessing to us. Every now and again, I thank God for a man named Jack Loveridge. Jack was a very ordinary guy, greengrocer, little shop in Cheltenham. But he looked after the young people's group in the Methodist church, which I joined. My brothers were in the Anglican church, but I thought the girls were better looking in the <laughs> Methodist church. Regularly, for every one of us, told us about Jesus helped us to move on very, very early in our Christian walk. I don't believe I came to know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior until many years later. But I thank God for Jack and for others like him who were stepping stones, sowing seeds on my journey with the Lord. Remember. And fourthly, having called them to remember what's been revealed to them earlier, the church is urged to repent. This will involve, of course, more heart searching. And, and this is a key thing in repentance, an acknowledgement that things aren't as they should be, that things are no longer what they should be, but it also involves a resolve to put things right. Not good enough to just say sorry and carry on. It's to say sorry and resolve to put it right, to turn around and do what they know they should be doing with the Lord and for the Lord. If the church doesn't take these warnings, he does in his letters to Ephesus and Pergamon, that he will return presumably in judgment. We sang, there is a higher throne, and we're going to stand before that higher throne one day. What form the judgment will take is not clear, but I'd rather hear commendation from my Lord than stand before him frowning at me. You know what I mean? His judgment. I want commendation. I want to serve him, to hear him say, well done. And that's what this letter was urging the people in Sardis to do. Turn around so that he can commend you as he should. So having delivered this rebuke to what's presumably the larger part of the church community, he couples it with a warning, but he then addresses the few who've remained true to their original calling. These are the ones who've not soiled their clothing. Verse 4. And this perhaps is a reference to maybe a compromise or maybe activity in the city. 
as I say, it was very, very strong. And maybe bits of that have crept in. Who knows? But we then see this wonderful promise from the Lord. Firstly, they will walk with me. And we had that in the song, Into Your Hands I Commit Again. We will walk with Jesus. When I was, uh, many years ago, and I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, remember, we used to sing, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. For me, probably the greatest joy in the Christian life is knowing that every step I take along my way, Jesus is with me to guide, comfort, yes, and to correct, but above all, to reveal to me the love of God. When I was a very young Christian, did I put a marker in? Yes, I did. In uh, Northern Ireland, I had two very good friends. He went on to be, they were married, he went on to be a minister in the Anglican Church, I'm pleased to say. And uh, he got me to underline a bit in my first Bible. Now, my card has fallen out, but it was from one of the Psalms about walking with the Lord. And that's been underlined in each of the Bibles I've had. Walk with the Lord. Secondly, he promises that they'll be dressed in white, signifying the robes of righteousness which await us, each one of us, when we go home to be with our Savior. Thirdly, their names will never be blotted out of the book of life. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your name is written in that book. And you can be sure that it's not written in pencil. It's etched deeply into it. Your name is there forever. It's engraved, never to be wiped out. Amen. Fourthly, Jesus will acknowledge them before the Father and his angels. And as we sang, we will stand before the Lord when we go to be with him. These words are echoed in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 32, where Jesus said, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Speaking for us. God sees us through Jesus. We will stand there, but with Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, we have no fear. No fear. He is with us. So what, what's the message for us today? Perhaps summed up briefly like this. Keep wide awake in your walk with the Lord. We do have an enemy who rejoices when the Christian church becomes ineffective. He must have been chuffed to bits with what was going on in Sardis. Keep wide awake. Give him no room. Remember all that the Lord has done for us. Yes, we have difficult times, but the Lord never lets us go. He brings into our lives people and circumstances, which are blessings. Remember them. 
Do all that you can to keep your faith strong. Immerse yourself in his word. Immerse yourself in the fellowship so that your faith remains strong. Keep short accounts with the Lord. I was told that many, many years ago. Ever ready to forgive. And rejoice that Jesus knows us, loves us, and is with us every step of the way. Amen.